Good morning. It's an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. I have been uh, on staff here for a bunch of years, overseeing youth as well as uh, a bunch of our group activity. So um, I want to talk to you today about hiding with heaven. And, uh, you know, uh, I have a six-year-old, and my wife and I, we have five kids, and they're from six to 22. Uh, my 20-year-old, Jaden, was doing the drums, and my, my six-year-old, he came up to me this last week, and he said, he's all, Dad, uh, is God a mutant? And I was like, I was like trying to think, okay, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, wait, he's asking me in the context, we were talking about superheroes, and he's like, is God a mutant? And I was like, well, he's not, he's not human, and I didn't really like kind of finish my thought, and he's like, so I have a mutant living on the inside of me? And uh, it was one of those kinds of spaces where, you know, I realized I didn't want to crush like God as you know, superhero. This was his. This was his box. Sometimes, you know, we were, we were able to talk about it, and and uh, it totally stumped staff meeting. They're like, "Wait, is God a mutant?" And uh, we talked about it for like ten minutes. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a really good conversation. But the the thing is, is that you know, sometimes God is hidden in in even word pictures or different pictures that we see. The, the Lord throughout the Bible. We see him hidden in different circumstances, hidden in different situations. And sometimes we get a little bit discouraged or a little bit uneasy when we can't see him, when we don't have a sense of where he's at in a cer- certain situation. And it can be a little bit, uh, can cause us to feel a little bit distraught. So we're going to be going through 1 Kings 19. And I want to suggest to you that through this passage, some things that stood out to me are that heaven hears us, heaven helps us, heaven hangs out with us, and hijacks us with plans to transform the world. The context of 1 Kings 19 is that classic passage, just before this scene, what happens, is that classic scene where Elijah goes down uh, with the prophets of Baal, they have the altar, I love, that is such a funny story. Like, he kind of starts making fun of him. Oh, you know, your God, like, what's wrong with your God, you know? Uh, you know, he, he, he douses his, his sacrifice in the water, Elijah does, and uh, the, the fire from heaven comes down. It was a massive, massive moment. A huge victory. A huge, okay, I'm connected with God kind of moment. And we have these kind of moments where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm really connected with God in this space. And when I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but when I feel close to God, I feel like I can take on the world. Let's go through here. If you want to, however you're doing uh, Bible, if you want to pull it out on your phone or if you brought a Bible, that'd be a crazy idea. Uh, <laughs> um, so he hears, old school, totally old school. He hears us, 1 Kings 19, 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, all this stuff in the valley, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, all the prophets of Baal. These were all the prophets of Baal. And uh, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, 
May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Sounds kind of threatening. Elijah was afraid, verse 3, and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. We hear what, Jesus, what, uh, sorry, what, what Elijah is experiencing here is first he's experiencing an overwhelming amount of fear. It leads into a, a kind of a depression. He is, uh, you know, he lays down under the bush and falls asleep. He's, you know, it's a common, common sign of depression. It's just like, oh, I, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm feeling massive amount of fear and depression. And he ends up falling asleep just in the midst of this kind of really hopeless despair. He's experiencing all these just overwhelming negative emotions. Have you ever been in a place like that? It'd be really easy in this last year. You know, having experienced, uh, you know, pockets of depression or fear or hopelessness. What do you do when you're stuck? What do you look to? How do you, how do you process what's going on inside? When, when you're emotion, when you're stuck in one of those negative emotions, Chocolate. I love it. Okay. So, oh, the, uh, so good. Okay. So the, uh, this tree that Elijah goes and, and, and lays under, it's called a broom tree. And I, I, this was new for me. The broom tree is a desert shrub that symbolizes moments of despair and divine encounter in the Bible. It's a, it's a shrub that the, the, the roots of it, the roots of this tree go down deep, uh, go, go, they're deep roots and they draw the moisture of the land that would otherwise be barren. Uh, Joe, we see here in the Bible, there's several different examples of the broom tree and these kinds of moments. Job describes the broom tree as a place of desolation, ruin, and abandonment. And you know it's got to be bad if it's in the book of Job. Um, <laughs> So the psalmist connects the broom tree with mourning, distress, and punishment in Psalm 120. Genesis 21 describes a young mother, Hagar, sent out with little to sustain her. Water runs out, and she puts her son under a broom tree to die. She then sat down and wept. And, you know, sometimes it can feel like life is just kind of camped around a broom tree. But God knows our address. He knows our address emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives. It says that he knows 
the, 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 hair, the number of the hairs on our head. He knows us things that we don't even care to really know. I mean, unless you're losing some in the back and you're concerned about how you look on the video from the back. Um, but, but he knows how many hairs we have on our head. He knows the, 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 the most, you know, every detail about who we are. And I, I, put, I threw this quote in here because it talks about emotion and it's talking about emotion just in general. You know, sometimes we experience negative emotion. Sometimes we experience, uh, you know, we have encounters with positive emotion. I love the way this quote is, is written, though. Emotion is at the heart of the relational life of a family. The building blocks of a family are emotional bonds. We build, this is a different kind of, you know, there's a connection. Here we see Elijah experiencing great negative emotions, but what we're about to venture into is seeing the emotional and the, the, the connection that Elijah has with the Lord in this space. Home, this is the part that I want to get to. Home is more than a geographical address, for when we describe being at home, we are referring to an emotional state and an experience of belonging. And I, I love this section because, you know, home is not home is not just a physical place. It really is something that it, it's, it's, it has an, it's, it's got an emotional state to it. When I go home, if my home moves then my home goes to that physical it goes to that physical location but there's an emotional component to it that is not just a physical location it has to do with our our attachments and our connectedness that's there and uh home is kind of a space of where we start from elijah was you know on this day elijah you know the, yesterday he was you know the the time before, he was starting from a place of being connected and feeling a sense of, of, of this connectedness with God. And now he's in a place where he kind of starting off the day in a place of fear and depression. And he's trying to, and he's, he's not, he's kind of just, he's pretty distraught in this kind of space. And we each have, the way I kind of like to look at it is that we each kind of have a, a, like a default home screen on our phones. You know, we each have a, when you, when you pop open your phone or you pop open your desktop, you know, on your computer, we've got like a, all our favorite apps there, all the ones that we kind of function from. And I was thinking about this, I was praying about this, and I was thinking, you know, this, this desktop or this home screen that we have that's on our hearts, it has certain pictures, you know, certain icons that are defaults for us. So I was thinking about it, and bear with me for this, this, this imagery here for a second, but I was thinking about it kind of like, like cookie cutters. You know, like when you have a, if you have a Christmas tree cookie cutter and you cut out a Christmas tree, there's a Christmas tree. You just cut it out. If you have, a, but let's say your experiences in life, what you've walked through, only have enough of a Christmas tree that you only see maybe a, a stump well, then that gets cookie-cuttered out, and that is your definition of what a Christmas tree is. But it's not complete. And we have these kinds of incomplete pictures all over our hearts. Different things of, you know, maybe it's not mentioned Christmas tree. Maybe it's labeled father. Maybe it's labeled mother. 
or friendship. And we have these pictures that are on our heart that because of the challenges of this life, oftentimes we all have some of them that are fragmented because not all relationships, because every relationship is, you know, it, without, the, without the Lord, it, it's just fragmented and broken. So we have these pictures over our hearts. Sometimes we even have them when we come in to see certain situations like Elijah did. What happens with Elijah is he has a picture in his heart. Oh my gosh, she's going to kill me. We have these kinds of pictures sometimes. This is a fearful situation. I don't know what to do. And you know all the brain science behind it. You know, your left brain, logic, language, thinking through words moves a little bit slower, a smidgen slower, five times per second versus your six times per second in your picture brain that you see these Emotion, this emotional imagery that we see. Oh, that person's like this, so I'm going to take that and I'm going to apply that over here. We have these pictures that are on our desktop. And sometimes the Lord just wants to remind us, kind of like what happened with my son, that he's a superhero again. He's got, he's got something up his sleeve. He's got a plan in this place. So God hears us in our emotions. When we're experiencing, uh, when we're, when we're, when, when there's a lot of stuff that can be really difficult and would be really easy to just get stuck in, but that's not God's plan for us. He helps us. So we're going to take a look at 1 Kings 19, 5 through 9. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head, was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. In the midst of his fear and this depression, heaven responds to Elijah. Sometimes we might not see it as in the same exact way that he does, but the Lord, we have angels assigned to us. God has provision assigned to us. He, his, his provision is always enough. And sometimes our feelings can get so out of whack that we, don't, that we lose sight that his provision is right there with us. Out of this space, Elijah is, is rested. He begins to become restored, replenished, and recovering from fear. We have these kind of moments sometimes where we just need to tap into the Lord. What, how do you want to sustain me in this moment? in this place. But Elijah is, is still depressed. It says that he lays back down. He just kind of, you know, falls back into that. You know, he's, he's, it's just not enough for him. The Lord knows Elijah. Uh, Lord knows the Lord, uh, Elijah needs to be refreshed. And he doesn't just, you know, the, I, love that, I love the way that God responds, the way that heaven responds to Elijah in his hiddenness. The way that heaven responds is, Here's, um, you know, it brings him sustenance to, to, to begin recharging him. He doesn't say, oh, stop it, Elijah. <laughs> he doesn't say just like, yeah, cut it out. There's times for those kinds of things, but this is a moment where he, he really gets in sync and attunes with Elijah and where he's at. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came, came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. 
So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And we see some things that are in this passage. Sometimes, uh, this is worded bad on your notes there. It says, sometimes the journey really is too much without the Lord. And yeah, the, the journey is, is always too difficult without the Lord. But sometimes we, sometimes we feel it a little more often than others when we're just not connected with the Lord. I, I recognize too that in this, past, in this part that he's strengthened by food. Um, I kind of like that. Uh, sometimes I feel strengthened by food. And uh, this is horrible. This is kind of embarrassing. But what happened is this last week, I actually had a, like a, a two-day getaway. I was kind of in my cave. Uh, Thursday and Friday are kind of like my weekend. And my wife was like, hey, she blessed me and was like, hey, why don't you just go take some space? And I, and I just, I, I went and, and I realized I just don't do as well on my own sometimes, especially when it comes to food. Um, <clears throat> she, she, she packed some awesome food for me. She, she packed me food even. And I, I ate a lot of the food. And then uh, for some reason, I've gotten this habit where I really like uh, quesadillas, but I didn't have any tortillas. So I took out a plate, and I, I, I've never done this before. This is super embarrassing. But I, I, I put the cheese on the plate, and I microwaved the cheese. <laughs> and then I ate, ate the cheese. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I just don't do well by myself, you know? <laughs> Anybody else ever microwave cheese like a quesadilla? Come on! Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was the same. There's a few of you out there. Wow, it's a whole new world. <laughs> Just cheese. Wow, okay. So, uh, mm. and I was kind of called out of my cave. I got a call like about being here this morning. And I feel like it's actually, I feel like there's a message in this message, I feel like there is something God is doing in this hiddenness. There are certain spaces where he is calling us out of hiddenness. This last year, things are starting to open up, as well as there's something spiritually, there's something in the, the atmosphere that's shifting. He is calling us out of our hiddenness. There is a there's space where he is, he is he, the Lord is shifting the atmosphere. And he is, he is calling you, he is calling you out of your hiddenness. I believe there's, there's new levels of things that he is, he is opening up. Another thing that we see in this passage is that there was a, you know, Elijah went for 40 days, symbolizing the 40 years that had been traveled in the desert. And it's at that same mountain, Horeb is Mount Sinai, where Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. And you remember, the people of Israel could not enter in because of fear. God is awakening us to come out of our hiddenness, to come out of any fearful places, and to stand with Him. One of the other things that we see in this passage is that the Lord speaks to us 
through the stories of those that have gone before us. You know, here he's speaking to Elijah through this number of the 40 and, and just re- probably kind of reminding him, uh, you know, with the 40 days and the being at that same mountain and, 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 and the 40 years. And, and here he's speaking through the stories that have gone on before that he can lean into the Lord in that kind of a space. It kind of attunes with him again there. And you know that he speaks to us through these same stories the same way. We all deal with fear at certain times, but it has to do with how we're going to respond to it. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond when we uh, feel a certain way? Are we going to lean into the emotion or are we going to lean into the Lord? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I love that passage. When we see, it's, such, it's such a simple one. When we seek him with all of our hearts, we'll find him. It's a promise. We will find him. We seek him and we will find him. He feels far away. We're overwhelmed by circumstances, situations, what's going on with work or family. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I can seek, I can press into the Lord. And he can give me wisdom and strategy in this place. Sometimes, you know, like in this cave, sometimes we all need to retreat. Sometimes we need a little bit of of rest, a little bit of space to just kind of seclude ourselves. It's not like you know, uh, this last Wednesday we had a movie night for junior high group and we watched this movie called Crudes 2. It's a cartoon movie. And uh, in this movie, they have this thing called the sleep pile. It's kind of weird. But the whole, like, it's funny in the cartoon. It sounds weird saying it now. But the whole family, like, sleeps in a pile together <laughs> in a cave. And uh, uh, it's not like that. Um, okay, so what, we, what, what, we've, what we've gone over so far. God, in this place, heaven, hears us, heaven helps us, and we're going to move into heaven hangs out with us, Kings, 1 Kings 19, 9 through 14, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That question gets me. The Lord always knows like just the right questions to ask. The part of me wants to say like, uh, don't you know? Like, <laughs> like it kind of taps into my insecurity if you're a God and you don't actually know. Um <clears throat> But he does know because he's omniscient. He knows all things. But he asks us questions because he's after a relationship. He's after that connection with us. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I feel like there's compassion in his... Uh, when, I, when I read this, I hear compassion in this, in this part. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
I've asked the Lord that a lot of times. What am I doing here, Lord? <laughs> but this is different. This is the Lord coming to Elijah saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? This, this also implies to us, God didn't send him to the cave. Elijah's retreating to the cave. God didn't send him there, but God meets him there. Verse 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah here starts explaining out his reasons. You ever lay out all your reasons? Lord, it's, it's because of this and this, and you start laying out your reasons. He's at, the Lord's asking, but he starts laying out his reasons. And what we see here is Elijah says, I'm the only one left. He is feeling alone. And oftentimes when we have these kinds of emotions, the fear and depression, we can feel that aloneness like Elijah felt. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Dude, that part makes me so nervous. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to read that again. Go out and stand on the mountain. In the, this is Old Testament. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. This is like that spot where it's like, you know, on your computer, when it's like, hey, there's a, a new download, there's a, a, a new system update, and uh, there's a warning where your computer says, uh, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Only like times a million. Next part, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. There's a lot going on in this part, in this section. You know, one of the most powerful winds that I experienced was one time we were taking a, we were on a youth trip and we're going out to Vegas for a, a call. Lou Engle used to do these call, these calls and we were going out there, and we had our old youth van at the time, and this big white long van, and we are driving out there, out to, out to Vegas through the desert, and I am literally on the freeway going like 30 miles an hour, and it felt like 90. I'd never had this before, but the winds were so massive, were so strong, that if I would have even gone like 35 or 40, it, it would have been really, really bad. I mean, I was literally going like 30 miles an hour, and it felt like, it really did feel like I was going like 90 miles an hour. I had to keep checking the, the speedometer. It was so weird. And I don't know if you've ever, <clears throat> I've experienced snow blind a lot of times, but I had never experienced uh, before or since sand blind. Sand blind, you know, I could only see it like not even that far out in front of me, the sand was 
was crazy. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was blinding everything. And um, then as we continue on down the road, I, we see a semi flipped over. And I was like, oh, like something, something, I'm like flashing through like, okay, this, like a semi is heavier than the youth van, right? Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm flashing through all these different stuff. We continue on and we see a couple more, there was two more semis flipped over as we're driving down. And I'm like, I'm like, oh Jesus, like I, th- I think I slowed down to about 25 <laughs> right then. Like, okay, Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like, okay, Lord, I'm praying and I'm, and I'm driving and these winds are so crazy. We, uh, we pulled off at one point and we see the, we go into this place and the, the roof tiles of this place got ripped off. It was crazy. And, uh, I'm like, okay, well, we got we to gotta keep going. We, we get back in the car, and, you know, we had just seen the three semis, and as we're driving down the road, we see this other big digital sign that says, strong winds ahead. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, now? Now the strong winds are coming. <laughs> and uh, fortunately... It wasn't worse. I didn't see more, but I was like, I was panicked. That was, some, that was crazy wind. But these winds in this passage, it says that they tore mountains. Winds tore the mountains. Could you imagine that? Like being there, seeing the mountains split because of winds. I don't know how that works exactly, but it says that the winds tore the mountains. And God wasn't in it. God is all-powerful. But there's times where he doesn't show up that way. He, choose, he chooses to approach us right where we're at. He chooses to limit himself often. Kind of like he did when he sent his son. When he sent Jesus, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, human. And what happens is, he's, you know, he, he, he's not in all of his glory that all of a sudden will kill a person. His goodness, his, his, his greatness that's so awesome that would destroy anything that isn't as, 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 as awesome as him. He, he, he holds himself back. He's 100% but he reserves himself. He's hidden, kind of like in Revelation, we discover the unveiling of Jesus. He's, there is a hiddenness to who God is. And God, let's see, verse 12, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Maybe some of you are familiar with, you know, some of the fires that we had in this last season. Crazy fires, probably consumed a big part of the area where Elijah was at, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Earth, wind, and fire. Symbols that God often uses, especially wind or fire. He often speaks through those, but this was a different time. 
It requires a certain discerning of what the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit of God is doing in a moment. God's not in those things, and he meets them in a gentle whisper. In verse 13, we see, when Elijah heard it, heard it the whisper, when Elijah hears the whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, he's pulling his cloak over his face because, remember, in the Old Testament, Scott Schrader helped me with this part. He was like, you know, remember, you can't see God and live. And so he is hiding his face because he knows who this is that's about to bring a whisper. This gentle whisper says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? The same words, this time in a whisper. And I was thinking about it. A whisper communicates, to me, it communicates a, a, an intimacy or an even closeness, a closeness. This part is in a whisper. What are you doing here? Elijah was out there caught up in the curiosity of the Lord's whisper. There are a lot of powerful earthquake moments. There are a lot of fire kind of situations or winds. But if the Lord's not in him, who cares? We want to stand, we want to press in to that whisper. Elijah felt so bold and so powerful. I would think I would, he felt so so confident, not, power, not, not that he felt powerful, but so confident in his God when he saw the, the the altar moment. He felt so confident in that closeness. And then he caved. He literally caved. He goes into the cave and he is experiencing his fear. Verse fourteen. Elijah replies, and he says the same words back to the Lord. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Word for word, the same words. Again, the only one left. He's feeling this aloneness. The last section we're going to look at here is that heaven hijacks us with plans to transform the world. Verse 15, the Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. This whisper, Elijah draws near to it, and there's more. Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. He gives him specific directions. In studying this section, I realized that Aram already had a king, Ben-Hadad. And Hazael was a servant of Ben-Hadad. 
basically what's happening is the Lord is beginning to shift and give him a battle plan, a plan in the spirit that has to do with a power shift. Verse 16, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. It's kind of a scary word to say out loud. <clears throat> From Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. And we see here that Jehu was the captain of the army under, under Israel. God's plan through Elijah is for him to empower leaders and spiritually father Elisha. And I believe this speaks into our time right now of leaders being released and this thing of coming alongside other people, spiritually uh, mothering and fathering them. This is a time where humanity needs shepherds. This is a time where people need care, soul care, the comfort of the, and the closeness of the Lord and his people, of you and me. Come alongside them. This word must have also given Elijah hope because what happens in this word is that, remember what Elijah said at first. He said, take me, take my life. He was depressed. He's, he's like, take me, I'm, I'm done. He says he's done. I'm totally done. And then, but God even speaks to that part because he says, you know what, I want you to, you know, start to look towards your successor. Start to raise up your successor, Elisha. And God speaks hope right into that place of his despair. Verse 17, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is a symbol of worship. Kissing it, you know, is a symbol of worship. All who have not worshipped Baal. And often God uses this hiddenness. He hides us. When we hide with heaven, he hides heaven in our hearts. And then God uses us in these hidden places to release his kingdom. And just, you know, maybe the person at the grocery store, maybe at home, and just simple places because we're the people of God. It's who we are. It's what we do. God often functions in hiddenness. So we as his people, also, there are times where we function in hiddenness. Uh, Kurt, would you come up? We're going to, we actually are going to finish with a song this morning. And, you know, I, uh, I really felt like the Lord was really clear with me on this word that he, he meets us in these places of hiddenness, whatever our caves are, um, my cave's right there, the youth room. <laughs> Your cave might be over here at the warehouse. 
You're at your work. We all have our we all have our caves, and the Lord meets us in those places. Um, I feel like the Lord just wants to. We just want to take a moment and just connect with His whisper. So, Father, we welcome you, and if you want to sit or stand, we're just going to take a couple of moments here and just connect with his whisper. God, we thank you for who you are, for the way that you shepherded Elijah, the way that you cared so well for his heart, and bringing him the things that he needed in the natural, in the physical, as well as in his spirit, man, to restore him and to make him whole again, to give him battle plans for the next season. And Lord, we just welcome you in this place right here. We just want to draw in. You've been whispering throughout this room. You've been whispering in this moment. And we just want to we want to draw near to your whisper. And the things, Lord, Lord, I know that there's things that you want to say in this moment that will resource hearts. So I just encourage you as we sing the song together and just take a moment to just soak in his presence. I encourage you in this place to to draw near his whisper and and ask him, Lord, what do you have for me in this moment? I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough. Your amazing love I can't get enough And I can't walk away I can't walk away For I have seen your face And so I can walk away And I just want to be where you are I just want to be near your heart Yeah, there is nothing like your love There is nothing like your love I can't get enough Oh, I can't get enough God of your amazing love We can't get enough We 
can't walk away No, we can't walk away We have seen We have seen your face And so we can't walk away now And we just want to be where you are We just want to be near your heart Cause God there is nothing like your love There is nothing like your love And we're singing oh God we're singing oh We're singing oh Jesus I love you I love you, God, and we're singing, oh, we're singing, oh, yeah, we're singing, oh, oh, Jesus, we love you, we love you. want to be near your heart Cause God there is nothing like your love My Jesus there is nothing like your love And we'll join the angels singing Holy Holy You are holy We welcome you into this space. We just thank you, Lord, just for your love. For your goodness in this moment. And as as we close here, uh, I'd like to do something just a little bit different for just the next couple of minutes. And if you're in a space where you just need prayer... Uh, we want to, you know, honor social distancing. We can come up to, you know, if a person needs prayer, if you would just raise your hand. If you're in a space where you just really need the word of the Lord, 
then just hold your hand up. And we'll have uh, some people come and stand with you and pray with you. So if you see someone with their hand up near you, just go over to them and pray with them. You know, be honoring of their space. But we can still gather around and pray. And we're going to finish on this space. And um, I would just ask that we just kind of honor the whisper. And if you uh, want to hang out back in the back, isn't the coffee table amazing? Oh, my gosh. I, I, you guys back there, you guys are awesome. I'm just looking back there. Uh, bless you today. Bless your day. Take space to hang out and um, have a good one.